It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News Podcast presents Brett Baer's All-Star Panel. America's got to be in the lead if you want to deal with these threats. We're going to lead. The morning is over. The shiva is done. And if you're a conservative, you should be optimistic. You know, my main priority right now is making sure that it delivers for the American people. Yeah, the president sounded like he's concerned about it, but no specifics, no change in policy. We have to make our country great again, and I will do that. I think the president gets criticized by people all the time for the stuff he says, by people who ignore what he does. Now, Fox's chief political anchor, Brett Baer. On Thursday, President Biden signed the $1.9 trillion relief bill. And this week, his team has planned for the president and vice president to travel to various battleground states to sell the COVID stimulus plan to the people. Meanwhile, the House is expected to take up immigration reform bills amid the current crisis at the border. For all of this, we'll bring in our all-star panel, Washington Post columnist and AEI resident fellow Mark Thiessen, editor and CEO of The Dispatch, co-host of The Dispatch podcast, Steve Hayes, and Democratic strategist and syndicated talk radio host Leslie Marshall. Uh, Steve, it's interesting to see, you know, the White House kind of going on a post-signature tour to try to sell what's already been passed and make sure people get what it's all about from their perspective. Obviously, they're not talking about everything in that bill. No, they're definitely not. They're going to be highly selective, I would imagine, in the case that they make for it. But it's pretty clear what they want to do. I think if you're Joe Biden and you're the Biden White House messaging team, you want to give the impression, you want to sort of lock people into the view that we're spending a ton of money to get beyond COVID, to get back to normal. And uh, when we get back to normal, which looks like uh, will be sooner rather than later, given the progress with the vaccines, people will give you credit for having done it. They want to create a cause and effect belief on the part of uh, sort of passive news consumers and viewers. I think it's probably a pretty smart move. You know, Republicans are, I think, left pointing out that this is a hugely wasteful bill, that it includes all sorts of kind of liberal progressive wish list items and isn't the, the kind of narrowly focused targeted COVID relief bill that even some centrists and Democrats were, were calling for. They have some trouble making that case, though, because we're coming off of four years of spending orgy under Donald Trump when Republicans generally didn't seem to care much about debt and spending. So probably a pretty smart move from the Biden White House. Yeah, Leslie, meantime, they're dealing with this, you know, they're, we'll go back and forth about whether it's a crisis or not. Clearly, it's, it's an issue along the border, and many people are calling it a crisis. Uh, in fact, the House minority leader down on the border today, talking to Border Patrol agents as they're getting these thousands of kids coming in, hundreds a day. This seems like uh, it's getting to critical mass here. Well, it is a crisis, but it's not what you call it. It's what you do about it. And to just have anybody, whether it is 
Bill Cassidy or anybody else on the Republican side blame this all on Joe Biden is not only disingenuous, it's not, it's not factual. If you look at the 11 year spike with people coming over the border, it happened during Donald Trump's administration, not Joe Biden. If we look at the numbers from the four months at the last four months of Trump's presidency, and quite frankly, even with the even with the drug cartel, we've had a problem with drug cartels coming over and coyotes coming over our border for 17 years. And whether Democrat or Republican, uh, the policies and the money that we have spent on the war on drugs, if you will, has largely failed. And that's with both Democrats and Republicans at the helm. And this is one of the problems that we see with immigration in administrations, whether they're Democrat or Republican, which it is such a multifaceted issue. And you can't seem to get a multifaceted piece of legislation passed, certainly on a bipartisan uh, level. One of the problems we know is individuals leave their countries in Central America, whether there was COVID and even before COVID, but more spikes with COVID because of an increase in violence and crime and a decrease in jobs and economic opportunity. Now, changing the administration and Joe Biden having a different tone and different rhetoric than Donald Trump, uh, did that make more people feel comfortable? Absolutely. But to just say this is all about Joe Biden, the numbers just don't show that when we look back historically with not only uh, children coming over the border, uh, adults coming over the border and drugs yeah. coming over the border. Of course, it's been going on for a long time, but not at these numbers. And they can, on the border at least, point back to a month ago where people are making the trek across Mexico and saying that they're doing it at the welcoming and the advice of the president of the United States. I mean, the Mexican president calls him the migrant president, Joe Biden. So, I mean, you can't disconnect the two, can you, Leslie? I'm not saying disconnect, but not 100% blame. If you listen to all of the, you know, individuals on the border, Border Patrol, if you listen to, uh, you know, ICE, uh, you know, et cetera, look at the numbers and the exact numbers. We we are at the level right now with relation to drug cartels coming over the border as we had in 2019. So again, having this idea that, you know, uh, Joe Biden, you know, failed immigration policies when he's been in office for a few months uh, versus looking back at numbers that we saw in 2014 and 2019. Again, it's not uh, it's not on any one president or any one party. The, The problem, again, is we have not addressed what is happening in those countries One, two, we have been continually pumping money into a failed effort to fight the war on drugs uh, and the drugs coming into our border. Uh, Three, we have a broken immigration system, our asylum system, uh, the the backlog in the courts, the amount of money that we do or don't put into the system. Again, it goes on. It's multifaceted. All right, Mark. Yeah, uh, Leslie, I love you, but but uh, show I me love the story you, but. <laughs> about but, uh, but show me the story on January nineteenth about the border crisis. There wasn't one. Uh, this, this happened. I mean, and again, it's not Republicans who are blaming Joe Biden. It's the Mexicans who are saying it. The Mexican law enforcement has told has said that they've seen a a change in behavior from the cartels and the smugglers uh, since Biden came into office. And there's, there's a reason. There's a cause and effect. He came in. He lifted the emergency. He got rid of the stay in Mexico, uh, remain in Mexico policy when we have all these people coming in with asylum claims, the vast majority of which get turned down. And they, if they can't get to the United States and they have to wait in Mexico, a lot of them don't come. 
the, he had a agreement with uh, with the three Central American countries where people would have to apply for asylum in the first country they reached, and he he, he removed that. You know, and so you know, the, the, you can't separate what what the the fact that a crisis happened as soon as he took all these actions. Uh, it, it's a direct result of Joe Biden's not just only his policies but also his rhetoric, uh, because he's basically said the border is open, come on in. Uh, you know, and 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 the, so people are coming because they think that they they're going to get in because the Biden administration is opening things up. They suspended deportations for a hundred days. Okay, well that's a good time to come. So you know, to say that this was happening under Trump, Trump administration put in policies after that 2019 crisis uh, the, to to stop this, and they got the border under control. And now Joe Biden is dismantling. Steve, let me bring you in. I think the question then becomes, to Leslie's point, how how you solve it. And we in you know, Washington, Democrats and Republicans have been pretty bad when it comes to this issue. They're going to try to go down this road, but it seems like it's just going to tee up for a 2022 election issue. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, it, it, you know, that says something, I think, about the, the state of our politics. I mean, just on, on the substance of the claims, I think Mark is right. If you look at apprehensions of unaccompanied minors, you look at the influx of the border, you look at, the, at Joe Biden's rhetoric, there, there's very clearly a cause and effect taking place here. I think on, on your broader question, though, it's really unfortunate because you have, if you look at polling, not just recent polling, but polling going back decades, of the American people, you find there's wide agreement on certain aspects of immigration policy that could be the basis of some kind of a compromise uh, going forward for years, a bipartisan compromise. The problem is it's in the party's interests, particularly uh, each side of of the parties, the the right side of the Republican Party, the, the left side of the Democratic Party, to use this as a, an election issue more than it's in their interest to actually get something done and solve the problems. I would argue that that's a reflection of our broader politics today. We have this politics of performance and outrage sells. It sells in the media. It sells uh, in Congress. You have members of Congress on both sides doing more to perform than they do to legislate. And so I think the likelihood that we're going to actually see some thoughtful solution to this problem or even a serious attempt at compromise is pretty slim. Mm-hmm. That is a, a dangerous word in Washington, it seems, compromise. Um, it, it, obviously, Joe Biden did not uh, use that in the passage, Leslie, of this $1.9 trillion bill. And it's not likely to be used uh, compromise-wise in, in bills coming up, do you think? Well, I think what we're seeing is, you know, step one, COVID, step two, it's already been, you know, signaled, uh, you know, by not just, uh, you know, uh, Democrats, but, you know, certainly we're hearing that, you know, infrastructure is next. And, you know, this isn't surprising. This isn't like, oh, you know, this is a card or an ace up, you know, Joe Biden's sleeve or Democrats sleeves that we hadn't heard about. Joe Biden was very clear with what his vision was when he was campaigning. Uh, for president and over 80 million people liked that or didn't like Donald Trump or a combination thereof. Uh, And, you know, and that's what they wanted. Look, when we just look at the numbers of support among Republicans as well, Brett, uh, for uh, COVID, you know, because it does address, and this is why he can uh, rightly take that victory lap, you know, it does address things that they're concerned about. I mean, you even have 
Republican governors who are saying, you know, thank you for this, for the state and uh, local uh, government aid, uh, the child tax credit, the $1,400 checks, the $300 additional extension on unemployment insurance through uh, September 6th, you know, the, the money for COVID testing, the money to get the schools reopened, everybody's look, everybody seems more positive uh, with regard to that after the passage of this. Mm-hmm. But I think part of the pitch for Biden, Mark, was... I'm the guy that's not Democrat or Republican. I'm going to work with both sides and we're going to get things done for America. And I I think that was the closing argument, I think, for much, you know, maybe the last two months. And then even in the primary, he he ran as that person uh, against that field of candidates on the on the left. My point is, is that I don't see it yet. Maybe infrastructure is the thing, but I don't see it. I don't see it either. I mean, look, the White House is touting this as the most progressive bill in American history. Joe Biden didn't campaign on being the most progressive president in American history. That was Bernie Sanders' campaign. <laughs> Joe Biden campaigned on the promise to bring Republicans and Democrats together. His inaugural address, he said, my whole soul is in this. Uh, well, apparently his whole soul isn't it because he didn't even try when it came to this. He had 10 Republicans come to him and and say we want to we we answer you 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 called for you said that uh you know working together is a choice well we're making a choice to work with you um and we're offering you a bipartisan filibuster proof majority for a bipartisan bill and he basically had a nice polite meeting with them and told them we didn't need your votes and this is on the most easy issue that you could bring bipartisan i mean he actually set bipartisanship back if you think about this every covid relief bill since the pandemic started had been bipartisan until now Right. So not only did he not do something bipartisan, he actually took something that had been bipartisan and made it partisan. So I don't know how he recovers from that. You know, he could have had uh, with the negotiating with these 10 senators, if he you know, they came in with 619, he could have said, well, why don't we throw in a a trillion dollars in infrastructure and make it one point nine? And they probably would have gone along with that. They would have gotten to would have gotten a bipartisan bill. But that would have obviated the need for a, for another infrastructure bill and spending two to four trillion dollars. So this is all a push for as much spending as they can get while they've got the power to do it. You know, and you listen to Democrats, Steve, and they say, well, the Obamacare experience when Vice President Biden was with President Obama try to deal with Republicans. And they just got frustrated and strung it out. And it was not fruitful for them. And they didn't want to go down that road. But tell me how this road goes if you're going to infrastructure. You know, the COVID relief bill, you bring in home stuff for your home state too, in various ways. In infrastructure, you want to be the lawmaker who fixes the bridge or gets the airport taken care of. But if it's a part of a bill that also includes a whole bunch of liberal checklists, you can't vote for it if you're a Republican. Yeah, I mean, I think the road bends pretty, pretty harshly to the left mm-hmm. is the way that the road goes. I mean, I, I think Mark is, Mark is right on this. And, you know, the, the timing of the White House response, I think, was the real giveaway there. These Republicans came with this, this counterproposal, which I think was meant to, to begin some kind of a good faith negotiation. And even as they were meeting, you had the White House press office uh, and White House surrogates saying, in effect, the only question isn't whether, you know, there's no question we're not going smaller. The only question is how much bigger we decide to go. So saying, in effect, we appreciate your your offer of bipartisan, your offer of, of compromise, but we're not in. 
I think this is likely to be the, the pattern that this administration sets. Um, I, you know, I, they certainly turned off a number of potentially uh, friendly Republicans by doing that. I mean, you had harsh words from people like Rob Portman, um, yeah. Susan Collins and others saying, look, I, I wanted to do something. I was ready to, to compromise. My, I see myself and Rob Portman said to us and to the dispatch, I see myself as a roll up your sleeves kind of guy. I'm eager to work with them and they wouldn't work with them. I think that's the pattern that's likely to repeat itself on, on the spending side. I think you'll see Republicans suddenly find, you know, find a great interest in, in, Debt and deficits that yeah. moved them for the past five years. Um, will make a, make a big argument, exactly. We'll hear from our panel after this. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com. Leslie, I guess, you know, you're talking about elections have consequences, and they do. And But was the pitch made by Biden in the election and even in the Senate races down in Georgia, which obviously become more and more crucial every every moment that we see what is passing legislatively, was the pitch that they're going to work together and get things done for the country or that we are going to get through our left agenda and you gave us the mandate that that's what you want. I'm not sure that that's what they pitched. But I don't think that's everything that's going to happen in the next four years. I think there are going to be efforts by Joe Biden. And I think Joe Biden is a guy that can because he has uh, worked with Republicans in the past. You know, here, here's what I don't get as a Democrat. You have Republicans who voted against something and in less than 24 hours for some in minutes after the passage of this legislation and after Joe Biden signed this legislation, were touting how they helped provide this legislation when they had voted against it. And you saw this on social media from uh, both both Republican senators and Republican House members, because when you just look at the, the you look at the uh, approval ratings, even in their own districts, some of these people just voted, uh, you know, for their what their party wanted and, to, uh, and towed that party line. They weren't voting in the best interest of their constituents or what their constituency wanted. So I think it's really hard to have unity if you have a party and this is left or right that is just going to you know vote along party lines even if it can hurt them politically because their constituents are going, hey, we actually like this. Uh, and you know they like it because they're, you know, they're, they're fundraising off of it or they're putting out all of these uh, social media you know, tweets and things on their email and on their website saying, you know, we are bringing, you know, co- we're bringing the $1,400 checks to you that I just voted against. Yeah, but you know, they're also not doing a commercial on paying off the pensions in Illinois or New York. $350 billion. I mean, I don't think that that would poll that well. Maybe it would for those, you know, folks who are involved, but I'm not sure that Joe Blow, middle independent suburban Mark is going to say, that's what I want this money to go for. <laughs> yeah, see, all those things that Leslie just ticked off are things that the, the 10 center Republicans and more would have voted for if we had a, if we had had a, a slimmer, uh, slimmer COVID bill that was actually focused on COVID. But tons of this money in this bill had nothing to do with COVID whatsoever. I mean, $350 billion for state and local governments. We, we have like 30 states who have record high revenues in 2020 because actually because there was $4 trillion of bipartisan stimulus last year. And so they actually have tons of revenue. I mean, California has a budget surplus projected of $15 billion and they're going to get $26 billion under this bill. You know, there's, there's this huge. Let alone giveaway. what the Fed is doing. 
in addition to no vote. exactly so so yes they want to take credit for this uh, for the for the things that they would have voted for but there's all sorts of stuff and even like the school funding so like you know the democrats said you got to have 170 billion dollar for education to reopen the schools cbo says only four percent of that is going to be spent this year so it has nothing to do with school funding. What they did is they cynically took the desperation of American parents to get their kids back in school and used it to pay off the teachers union. So this, all of this, all of these spending elements are payoffs to their constituencies. And they did it in a partisan way because they knew what they saw was, look, cases are going down, hospitalizations are down, deaths are down, the economy is rebounding. We've got three vaccines. The, the pandemic emergency is coming to an end. And so how do you justify a pandemic emergency uh, if there's no emergency. So so they had to get as much money through and use the pandemic as a pretext to pay off all their uh, all their uh, different constituencies. And they did it. They weren't going to let bipartisanship get in the way. You know, Brett, you had you had these projections of, of economic recovery long before the, the COVID relief was passed. So I think, Mark, mm-hmm. again, I, 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 yeah. I don't usually find Mark right this often. <laughs> But, but yeah, today, I today, I, I guess, I mean, a great day. It's, it's, it's like, I don't, I don't know what's happening. Um, but, but look, you know, I think, he, I think he's right. They saw a big wave and they grabbed their surfboard and went and jumped on because it, it, we knew it was coming. And this is what this this is what this PR campaign is all about, to make sure that voters and the public attach the, the COVID spending to the economic recovery that most everybody thinks is coming. Politically though, Leslie, is it a little bit dangerous to continue to hit the COVID bell? And even while a lot of these states are longing to be Florida and opening up, you know, they're, they're just desperate to, to get past all this. And in order for there to be the emergency, you can't do that. Yeah, but here, here's a couple of problems. I mean, you know, one, if you, you know, you look at the ratings, you look at the approval ratings of not just this legislation, but Joe Biden right now, uh, why wouldn't you want to continue that messaging? And even though people want to be Florida, maybe they should read the news on what's happening in Europe today. They're having spikes. And why? Because they opened too soon. They dropped their masks too soon. Vaccines gave them a false sense of security. And this is all what we're hearing from the CDC and from Dr. Fauci and from medical professionals throughout the country, that's regardless a, if they're in a red I'm state. I'm not sure that that's, that's why. That's not right. Spike is that's happening. not why at all. I mean, their vaccines, that's they haven't, the logistics have not been good as far as getting the vaccine out. We have 100 million plus who have been vaccinated now. Uh, they were really low, Europe. Now, why oh, that's, that's exactly- happening? And they also locked down early, and so they had they had less uh, natural immunity from people getting COVID and recovering from it than we did. Plus, now they had less vaccine immunity, so they're not where we are. Look, we've got sixty percent of Americans sixty five and over vaccinated so uh, so far. So the the most vulnerable population is increasingly every with every passing day is less vulnerable. So what we're going with the pandemic is you're still going to have cases and sort of the pandemic industrial complex is going to start their hair on fire and say, look at the cases, look at the cases. But you're going to have almost or you're going to have but you're going to have almost zero deaths or getting down to zero deaths. You had, I think, in North Dakota had several days of zero deaths. What you're going to have is cases with younger people who who aren't dying and who aren't getting sick because they're not the ones vulnerable to it. The vulnerable population is going to be is going to be immunized and protected from it. And so the justification for these lockdowns is going to disappear. Leslie, go ahead. 
<laughs> but here, here's the problem. The federal government doesn't open the schools. OK, so when we when we go when we go back to the schools, because a lot of the things with Florida uh, center around the schools, right? Kids are in school. They've been in school. I know here in California, my, my son's in school right now for a few hours, guys. Woo! I'm not yeah. drinking. I'm spending it with you. See that? <laughs> but, it, but but it is a it, it is a not only a state issue, but within the state. It is a school district by school district issue. Listen, I'm in California, largest state in this country. We have districts that have been open for a long time because their numbers were lower and they were in a different tier than where I am in L.A. County. And, and we're seeing that and we're seeing that continue here in California where we're fourth in the nation with vaccinations. and We've had a huge drop in, in case COVID uh, positive uh, case rates uh, over the past few days, quite frankly. So, you know, yes, uh, you know, a lot of people may say, you know, they, they want to be Florida, but a lot of the decisions that are made come from the states. And that certainly is not Joe Biden. Joe Biden could say, hey, here's some money to help you out. Joe Biden could say you should, you know, go back to school. CDC can say teachers don't need to be vaccinated. But at the end of the day, it is the state and then those school districts within those states. All right, guys, we have plenty more time to talk about these issues because they're not going away anytime soon. Thank you very much. Here's a bit of a historical trivia for you. On March 23rd, 1775, Patrick Henry, the founding father of the United States, gave a speech at the Second Virginia Convention. The convention convened to discuss the growing tensions between the colonies and the crown following a massive boycott of British goods and the infamous Boston Tea Party. It was there in Richmond, Virginia, where Patrick Henry ignited the American Revolution with a rousing speech declaring the famous words, give me liberty or give me death. There you go. That'll do it for this week. You can hear more of this series at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Make sure to leave a rating and review. We want to hear from you. For Mark and Steve and Leslie, I'm Brett Baer. We'll see you next time. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.